So we're so grateful to Mike Blowers, who has volunteered or been press-ganged, I don't know which, into taking this time for us. He's going to tell us about his life, I think. My word. Uh, applause before I even start. That, that's, that's a good start, isn't it? Um, so Guy Chalker reckons 12 minutes maximum. Philip Lawson wants at least an hour. So I'll, tr I'll try and do something between the two. Um, and if someone gets up and walks out, it's because they've told me they're going early, not because I'm rubbish. So Anyway, um, so I've, I've got a little talk, which is basically just run through a few things about my life and share with you. Um, I've entitled it, A Jewish Boy from North London, The Past, Present and Yet to Come. So just over a week ago, Peter Jack, where are you, Peter? Not here. Peter Jack, he didn't have the confidence to ring me. He emailed me and said, could I take Robin's place? Um, so I wasn't planning on doing this, and I'm not sure uh, that it's my gifting, but hopefully uh, there'll be some things that I can share with you. Uh, we have been so blessed with the food for the thought, haven't we, with some of the speakers who are absolutely amazing. And have got such fantastic life stories. Preparing, I thought, well, Blaise, you're a boring so-and-so. Um, but, but hopefully I've got a few things that are interesting. Um, and I'm not sure, Peter, was I first choice or 50th choice? <laughs> okay. So let me share something with you. Um, I've divided into three, again, in front of the microphone, three bits. The past, the present, and the future. So the past, or what I've called before I became a Christian. I, I'm not one of uh, people who was born up in, in a Christian family. Um, in fact, slightly different. I was born... 1958, so that makes me 64, in Edgware General Hospital in North London, if, if anyone knows that. Anyone from London here? Give us a shout. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Right. So I was born in North London, um, and I lived there until I was 18. So I lived there with my mother and an elder brother. I uh, went to junior school, and then eventually I went to senior school at Mill Hill. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. Now, this will not surprise you. But I was a very shy, a very quiet boy. Um, what are you laughing for? <laughs> very shy, very quiet boy, very serious. Um, I certainly am not academic, wouldn't consider myself an academic. Um, and from an early age, I had a great love of sports. Um, I would divert off. Um, Karen tells me, as my wife, that, that before we got married, she never knew I liked sports. That's right. No. So, anyway, I kept that secret until we were married. So, just by way of background, as I said, a Jewish boy from North London. My mother um, was a Jewish refugee. She came to England in 1938 um, from Austria. And uh, I'd love to share with you something of background, but I have very, very few details. Um, until very recently, I thought my mum was, was born and brought up in Vienna and came over in 1938 to escape the Nazi regime. Um, last Christmas, my president from Karen was um, subscription to Ancestry. So I actually was able to do a little bit of research into the background. And what I discovered, I was able to go back quite a bit, that in fact my mum was born in the Czech Republic, uh, although she did live in Austria. Uh, she arrived in England in 1938. And the first record of her working and living is in a place called Jordan's. Um, which is quite interesting. It's a village in Buckinghamshire, which is a Quaker village. 
Uh, and uh, that's just really interesting that, that that's where she ended up. I, I think they took in quite a lot of, lot of refugees uh, prior to or during the war. Um, also interesting, my searches uh, found that my maternal great-grandparents uh, were, were from Lviv in Ukraine. So with all that was going on in Ukraine, I actually discovered I got Ukrainian blood in me. So that, that was quite, quite an eye-opener. Um, I know not a lot more. I was able to find, and again, it's very sad, um, paperwork uh, from, I think, 1943. The, the um, Nazis were incredible, incredibly meticulous, and they kept a record of everyone that went to concentration camps. And I was able to find the record of my grandparents uh, being sent to Riga uh, concentration camp. Um, unfortunately, they weren't so meticulous in keeping records of what happened to those people. Um, so, just don't know. I presume they were killed, uh, as with all the rest of the family. As far as I know, on my mother's side, um, I only had my brother, uh, sorry, my uncle, who came over with my mother, and two, two other cousins, um, and the rest, unfortunately, were killed uh, during the war. So, on my father's side, um, again, slightly unusual. Um, my parents separated before I ever knew my dad. Um, I have no recollection. Um, I was a single child, which again, growing up in the 60s was somewhat unusual, not, not today. Um, but I never knew my dad. The only time I ever saw him was when, I think about three times a year, he rolled up in a car, and I always remember running to the window and seeing which new car he had. Um, and uh, then we got, got in the car and went down to the south coast. Uh, I inevitably, because I never went in a car, was sick in the back of his new car. Um, every time, which probably didn't endear him to me at that time. Um, but I didn't know very much of him. So that was my background. First event that I remember was about when I was 11, I took an exam. And these were the days um, the uh, local authority used to fund certain people to go to public school. Uh, and I took an exam, and I was very fortunate to pass that exam. So I went off to a school called Mill Hill. Uh, which is in North London, it's a public school, um, but it was funded, I think, 98% um, by the local authority. I had uh, a great time there. Um, why, why my mum decided to send me to boarding school, I don't know. She, she, her health was not great, so I suspect that was it. So I was a boarder. Anybody else a boarder at school, public school? Oh. Oh, Mary. Do you enjoy it? Yes and no. <laughs> so I was, a, I was a boarder. It, it, was, it was interesting. I'd say my first memory is two years. Is that my 12 minutes already? <laughs> um, my first memory, um, two years were spent. There was 15 of us in, in the year in my, my house. We had a, a one room, which is probably about half the size of this room, um, in a dormitory. We had one radiator at one end, no curtains, and our mattresses were made of straw. Luxury. Pity the poor people with parents had to pay for that, but they, they did. Unfortunately, um, didn't. So I remember when I was at school, every Sunday, having to go to chapel. Um, it was boring. Um, it was something I absolutely hated, and it had absolutely nothing that I can recall to do with the God that I came to know uh, in a later time. Um, so it was kind of going through the, the motions, but, but nothing to do with God as far as I know. So through, through my time, um, I got to my year of taking A-levels. Um, and unfortunately, when I was in the January, my mother died. Um, so I was sort of left on, on my own because I saw my 
father very intermittently. Um, and again, how times changed. My, my mother died, and I remember going into, we had a housemaster going into his study, he asked me to sit down and thought I'd have a kind of encouraging talk. And, and all he said to me was, yeah, your mother's died, um, and our matrons died, and someone else that you knew died. He says, amazing, these things happen in threes. And then off you go back, back to your room. Um, but, but that was the way we were in, in those times. So um, I took my A-levels. Um, obviously, the year was slightly disrupted by my mum dying, and I, I took a year out and went to live with my dad for a year. Um, it was interesting not, not really knowing him. I, I spent some time uh, working, did my first proper jobs. Uh, the first one, and it was the only job I've ever been sacked from, as far as I know, uh, was working in a tomato nursery. We used to walk up and down and, and kind of... I was okay when I was tending the plants, but then they decided to sort of promote me into... I could pick the tomatoes. Um, unfortunately, I was colourblind. <sighs> so there I was picking these lovely green tomatoes, thinking that they, they were okay and, and ripe. So I remember being called in and, and this, they decided to let me go. But the rest of the year, I, I think I did my best two jobs. I worked in a toy shop, which was lovely. I absolutely loved it. And I also worked as a postman. And I always said when I retired, if I had the chance, I'd go and be a postman. That's not happened yet. Um, but but let, let's see. But I actually enjoyed that. So... Prior to my mum uh, dying, I was massively into literature, massively into sport, and I had got a place at, I think, it, well, no, it was Kent University, to do a course in English literature, uh, and my dream was to become a sports commentator. Um, when my mum died, I thought, this isn't really very sensible, I was almost on my own. I'd better do something that might lead to a job. Um, the kind of connection I had, my mum was a legal secretary for many years, and at 14, um, that was in fact my first job, in the summer holidays, I used to go into office with her, and uh, I used to go into the partner's office, and he used to sit me down and say, well, we're completing the purchase of this house on this date uh, today, and here's the banker's draft for X hundred thousand pounds, get on the train and go and complete it, because in those days, you did it in person, none of this telegraphic transfers or kind of doing it over the phone. You actually got on the train. So at 14, with a banker's draft for money in my pocket, I was on the tube going across the whole of London doing completions, which I, which I loved. And I think I got paid £7 a week for doing that. Um, so I decided to go for a law degree. So I had to kind of find myself a different degree, a fairly short term uh, time to do that. And... Okay, and I don't know, it's amazing how God works, but I ended up getting a place at Bristol Polytechnic, as it was then, now the University of the West of England. And I arrived um, in Bristol in 1977. Um, I'd never been to Bristol, that was pretty stupid, and I had uh, digs in a place called, in Bristol called Lockleys. Anyone ever been to Lockleys? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I could walk across the fields to, to the poly, but I think about a week after I was there, someone was murdered in the next street. And I think the Saturday uh, activities were the fights in the pub. So it was, it was quite a rough uh, area, but it was, it was good fun. So I spent my first year there. Um, up to this point, let's say, I, my only experience of, of church was going to chapel, and I wouldn't call it that. Uh, and technically, um, I'm Jewish. Uh, as I understand it, you take your religion under the Jewish law from your mother. So um, I'm technically Jewish. Um, when I got to, to the poly, I, on my course, 
I met a few people who called themselves Christians. I don't think I probably really knew what that phrase meant. And over a few months, I got to know them. We used to chat. I used to go to the Christian Union. And I think just looking back, the, the main thing I found was these people had something that I didn't really there was that kind of missing something in their life, uh, which I'd never known about. So I began to hear a little bit about God and, and how he wanted to be part of my life. And after about six months, um, I went to a Christian Union meeting, and there was a guy called Mike Hencher, uh, who was a well-known Bristol evangelist at that time, speaking. Uh, he wrote a book called The Missing Peace, P-E-A-C-E, which, having done research, is still about to this day, 40-odd years later. Um, and it just talks about that being that little miss, missing piece in your life without having God there. So that night I went, went home. Um, I read um, Revelation 3 verse 20 and it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And I, I realized at that moment that God was very present and real and wanting to come in my life. And I think he'd always been there, but there'd been this door and he just wanted me to ask him in. So um, in my own room, and I think I went on my knees, I prayed a very simple prayer, just asking Jesus to forgive all I'd done and ask him to come into my life. And that was, as I say, very simple, but that was an act of where I became a Christian and something I will never forget. So that was the past. Uh, very quickly, how am I doing, Guy? All right, okay, the present. Nearly 45 years ago. Uh, what, what happened since then? I'm going to run you through very quickly. Um, I completed my law degree at Bristol, and then we had a further year's training. Um, after that, I started, when I first became a Christian, I went to Christchurch Clifton, which was a very active church for students at the time. And then I went to Etlow Evangelical, uh, which I loved at the time. And then I ended up at Fishponds Baptist Church, which is a well-known church in North, North Bristol, um, and got very involved in there. And that time I met Karen, uh, so my life changed uh, again. Uh, within a short period, it's only about three months, isn't it? Uh, we, we, became, me, we became engaged. Um, I was going to say this caused problems. It didn't cause problems getting engaged, but our fact we were getting engaged and we are going to get married caused problems because I'd managed to uh, secure what's called Articles, which is a training contract on the south coast where my father lived. Um, and I had about two months to find something else if I was going to stay in Bristol. So at that time, you got jobs through the Evening Post, Bristol Evening Post. And I remember seeing advert, article clerk, so I kind of wrote in, got my, ad, got my interview, uh, got offered articles, and stayed there 40 years. So when I say boring, that's, that's why I think I say it's quite boring. I stayed with the same firm um, for 40 years. I became involved in the life at Fishbonds. I grew as a Christian. I, I was a deacon there for many years. Uh, Karen and I, for far too long, run house groups. Um, in the heady days, we set up a group for 18 to 30s, um, not, not the holiday group, but, but people within the church. Um, and also, slightly interestingly, I was very involved in a building project that we had at Fishponds. Doesn't life go round full circle? For those who don't know, we're hopefully about to embark on a building project at Welton. Um, I qualified as a solicitor in 1982. Uh, I was initially in Canesham. Um, who knows Canesham? Yes. Who's famous there on the radio? Horace Batchelor. The first time I was there, Cainsham, Horace Batchelor. 
Um, so I was there Canesham initially and then Bath for most of my life. Um, and I, I worked as a solicitor, um, mainly dealing with property. I, I was so blessed. I, I dealt with some amazing, amazing clients, uh, some quite well-known people, um, some more ordinary people, but, but it, it was a fantastic time and, and dealt with some amazing houses during my time. So throughout my time um, working, um, I just felt it was very important to take my Christian faith into my workplace. I, I'm not one, and I'm not very good at kind of just preaching to people, but I, I sought just to, to share my faith with people. Um, I hope it worked. I had, when I retired, I had a lovely email from my former managing partner referring to my faith and how important it had been. Um, can I say anyone came to faith through me? No, I can't, but, but certainly it was very, very important. Through 40 years, um, I'm just... We've just celebrated 40 years married, marriage. We've got two children, three and a half grandchildren, um, and many, many friendships. Um, I can just look back and see how God uh, has blessed me and blessed us uh, during that time. You know, I was preparing. I thought my favorite film is Chariots of Fire. And we, we saw it over Christmas, didn't we? Yeah, love it, love it. It's, it's, it tells the story of two, two... People know the story of Chariots of Fire? Two main characters, Harold Abrahams and... Eric Liddell, one a Jew and one a Christian, which is probably why it resonates with me. Uh, but the story of Eric Liddell is just amazing. Um, he had to make a choice between running an Olympic race, which, golly, we all want to do, or not, and giving the day to God. And he decided to give the day to God. Um, and he just that decision was so honoured. Uh, and it just gets me, the film was made by non-Christians. But what a witness it is. If you haven't seen it, do, do watch it. Um, and really that, that was a tremendous witness to me and something that resonates with me as to how you don't have to go out kind of ramming Christianity down people's throats, but it, it's the way in which you behave, the way in which you live can affect people. So on to the future, um, or what the life in the last eight, eight years. Eight years ago, life changed quite a bit. Uh, my firm merged. Um, we merged with a firm which had offices in Wells and Sherborne. How lucky am I to have had offices in those three places? Um, so um, I started doing it, but the journeys, because I had to be in each office uh, at least one day a week, the journey was too much. So we decided to up uh, sticks. We prayed about it uh, and ended up um, in Temple Cloud, which we've lived since that time. Uh, love it there. Um, again, God has put us in a, uh, amongst a group of people who... If you ever want me to talk to you about them, I'd love to. There's six different families who are the most different you could ever find. Um, but it, we just love them, and we, we feel our mission is to kind of reach out and share with them. Um, and and it, that's been a fantastic time. So the last eight years have passed quickly. Um, I retired from working 18 months ago, uh, sort of in the height of, of COVID. So just a few things. What, what have I learned, and what does the future bring? I think the first thing is God wants to be involved in all aspects of your life. I think I've known all, all of this, but over the last five years, I've really been challenged more than ever. You can't kind of separate your church life and your, your home life and your work life. God has to be involved in, in all aspects. It's all or nothing. Secondly, that God can use you in a variety of situations, and it doesn't have to be dramatic. As I say, um, I think, in a sense, I've got nothing dramatic to share with you, but I can see how God has hopefully use me over a number of situations. The speakers of Food for Thought have been brilliant, 
and they've got some great stories, but, but I can also see that in my own life, God has worked through me. I think the third thing is just, just a, a bit on prayer, uh, that God works in his own way and his own timing. It sometimes frustrates me. You pray and you don't see the result, but, but I do see that God does answer those prayers, but sometimes in his own way. Um, for my sins, I do like my golf, um, and Gary Player possibly is uh, alleged to have said, do you know the harder, the, the harder I practice, the luckier I get? So do you know the harder I practice, the luckier I get? He was saying that basically he played better if he practiced more. And I think in some ways that's the way with our, our prayer life. If we manage to spend more time and get closer to God, we'll be more in sync with him and be able to share with him more. I think the fourth thing is that God uses you as you are. Whatever situ- situation you are in, we're all different people. But God will use you as you mature and want to be used by him. Each of us is unique. And I can't come and say God's going to do this for you necessarily. But let God use you, whatever. And lastly, God continues, wants to continue using you as long as you're willing. Do you know, I'm now 64 uh, and my knees ache and lots of other things do hurt sometimes and I do get tired more, which annoys me. Um, so you can think, oh, I'm going to give up. And, and I do sometimes hear uh, older Christians say, oh, my time's finished. It's time for the young people um, to, to take over. I think, in a sense, they're right, but also, in a sense, I think they're wrong. I think, looking around this room, there are people here, whatever your age, whatever your situation, God can and will use you if you let, let him do that. Um, so that's a brief insight to my journey of faith. It began sort of in my early 20s. Um, I'm just wondering, Peter, you might invite me back in five years and give you an update. Never again, he says. <laughs> Two things I'd like to challenge you with. So I've been a Christian 45 years, which has shaped my life. Um, and many of you have been similar time or even longer. But some, someone or some people here might not yet know Jesus, might not know God in that way of relationship, being with them every day. And I say it's never too late. Um, you know, don't let pride stop you. Don't let stubbornness stop you. Um, if, if you don't know God, I would say it's the best thing you could ever do. Um, so, you know, talk to me, talk to some of the other leaders. We are going to be starting what's called an Alpha course. I uh, mentioned that last time, uh, which just shares a bit about what Christianity means. Um, but it's not too late to find Jesus. And uh, if you want, we would love to get you booked on that. And then, second thing is, for those who've been Christians for a long time, just a reminder that God can continue to use you if you allow him to. And, you know, even some better things may happen than you've ever known before. Quote from Eric Liddell to finish. I want you to take part in it. I want to compare faith to running a race. It requires concentration of will, energy of soul. You experience elation when the winner breaks the tape, especially if you've got a bet on it. But how long does that last? You go home, maybe the dinner's burnt, maybe you haven't got a job. So who am I to say, believe, have faith in the face of life's realities? It's a tough one. You know, life isn't always great. Uh, many of us go through difficult times at the moment, but God is with us all the time and wants to use us and to bless us. Thank you.